a marketing funnel in my mind is this. A marketing funnel is a predetermined number or set of steps that you want your prospect to take to take them from the point where they have no idea who you are and they've never heard of you before all the way through becoming a customer. And in most cases, for most businesses, that doesn't happen in one step. It happens over a series of several steps. The Online Marketing Show with Joseph Bushnell, helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hello and welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today I have a very special guest on the line. His name is Ryan Levesque and he's famous for pioneering survey funnels. Go to surveyfunnelformula.com to find out more. Um, in today's call, Ryan will be sharing his survey funnel formula with us, which has helped him to generate 2.8 million leads and acquire 175,000 customers in the last 23 months. We're going to be talking about why you need to be dumb to succeed in marketing, the three biggest mistakes that people make in their marketing funnels. Ryan's also going to give us three types of surveys that we can use in our funnels, the micro-commitment bucket survey, the do you hate me survey, and the pivot survey. And when Ryan uses these three surveys in his funnels, he generally increases revenue by about 50%. And we'll also be discussing the length of a funnel. Should we be trying to make same visit sales or is it better to take time to nurture uh, the prospects that are going through our funnel? We'll be talking about all of this and much, much more. Don't go anywhere. It's a cracking show today. So Ryan, thank you very much for joining me. Joey, I'm pumped to be here and really psyched to be talking with you. Ryan, how did you get into marketing? Oh, man, that's a, that's a really good question. So I think like most people uh, or many people, I wasn't someone who was 10 years old and say, I want to be an inter- internet marketer. Um, <laughs> I actually, I went to college. I thought I was going to go to medical school. I studied and actually taught neuroscience at the Ivy League level at Brown University. And I thought I was going to go into academia. I thought I was going to have a career as a neuroscience researcher. Um, but along the way, I kind of decided that path wasn't for me, but I didn't know what I wanted to do instead. So I tried a couple different things. Uh, after college, I after university, I worked on Wall Street for the investment bank Goldman Sachs. Um, and for whatever reason, I also had this fascination an obsession with uh, the Chinese language, uh, among other things. So mm-hmm. I had to get this bug out of my system where I wanted to live, work, and just be in, in Asia for a couple years. And so my wife and I got married uh, right before we left for China. And we lived in China for, for five years. And there I was opening up uh, sales offices for a U.S. multinational across China, literally flying on a plane every other week, living out of hotels, tethered to the BlackBerry. My wife was in another country. She was in Hong Kong getting her Ph.D. I was based in Shanghai and uh, I got burnt out. I was burnt out. Mm-hmm. And I had a few friends of mine in the States who were quietly making money, quote unquote, on the internet, essentially selling ebooks. And when I heard the kind of money that they were making, and at the time I was probably making, I think my last salary was like $278,000 a year uh, for uh, AIG, the company that I was working for. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, which was good money for me. And, uh, they were making more money in their pajamas, you know, in their underwear at home. And I said, yeah, I want to learn more about that. Uh, so I started studying direct response. I kind of became, I started moonlighting as a copywriter. So I'd work my full time job during the day. I'd come home to an empty house because my wife was in uh, Hong Kong in, uh, in uh, graduate school getting her PhD. So I had nothing to do. So I started studying the Gary Halbert letters and, uh, learning about direct response copy and copywriting and became really obsessed with it. And it kind of brought things full circle for me where I said, this is a way that I can apply my passion and interest in neuroscience and psychology and use it in a business context, which was much more appealing to me than working in academia. And I started following a few people. Uh, long story short, I launched my first business uh, and uh, took that business from nothing to $25,000 a month in 18 months. And uh, this was back in 2007, 2008. And, uh, once I reached that level, I, it was the financial crisis of 2008. I quit my job and, uh, said now's as good a time as ever to leave. My family thought I was crazy for leaving that big salary, moved mm-hmm. in with my wife in Hong Kong in her 400 square foot apartment. And we, uh, we, you know, that's where we launched the business and, uh, you know, moved back to the, to the States shortly after. And, uh, you know, that, that was kind of the beginning. That was the beginning of, uh, what, what took us to where we are today. Well, Ryan, I, I just have to say you sound like a really smart guy. You speak Chinese. You've been in, teaching neuroscience, um, and you've worked on Wall Street. All of these, you know, this incredible stuff. Um, and surely, you know, being smart is a big advantage when it comes to to being a good marketer. I'll uh, tell you what, though. I'll yeah. tell you what. I've had to learn that you to be a good marketer, you really need to be dumb. <laughs> and this gets to what we're going to be talking about today. And what I mean by that is, if you think you know the answer. You're dead. You're mm-hmm. dead in the water. If you think you're smarter than, uh, you know, what the data is saying, you're dead. You really need, and for me, I had to unlearn a lot of things. I had to unlearn how to write academically, to go from writing academically to writing very sort of street smart, very colloquial conversational copy. So that there was that unlearning. I had to, uh, unlearn that whole, um, very academic way of doing things where it's about not making mistakes. So in school, you're taught, right, if you, if you, you know, you want to get an A or an A plus, and if you get a B, that's bad. That's not good. Um, but business is all about getting the thing done fast, executing quickly and being okay with a B because a B that's done tomorrow is going to make you more money than an A that's done a year from now. And so I think on the one hand, yeah, there's certain advantages that you get from having that sort of background and those experiences. But on the other hand, um, I almost envy people who just didn't go to college, never had a real job, were completely unafraid of failure and just dove right in. So I think I just bring that up because people hear my background. They say, oh, that's the reason why you've been so successful. I don't have that background. What am I supposed to do? Well, in some ways, I think it doesn't really matter what your background is. Mm -hmm. There are pluses and minuses to wherever you come from. Okay. So Ryan, would you say that it's fair to say that marketing funnels is the main thing that you teach and, and work on at this point? Yeah. So that that's very true. So people will kind of know me now as the quote unquote funnel specialist. And a few people have called me that. Um, basically what I do all day, every day is I build marketing funnels primarily for seven, eight, nine figure businesses. And the way I kind of arrived at what I'm doing right now is goes back to that start 
where I first went into internet marketing when I was selling essentially ebooks. Uh, I developed three information product businesses in the jewelry making space, how to make jewelry, which is a passion of my wife. Um, and we went into that market in the gardening space and in the memory improvement space, which leveraged my background in neuroscience. Each of those businesses went on to uh, grow to sort of high six figures. Um, and I started attending masterminds and trying to learn more from more people. And I told people what I'd done in my business. And people started approaching me quietly and saying, hey, Ryan, um, what would it cost for us to just hire you to do what you've done in your business for our business. And so I didn't really get into building funnels by design. It sort of just happened um, through a series of events. But fast forward today, and that's what I do all day, every day, is I build marketing funnels. And I'm currently in, at the time of this recording, 19 different markets, ranging from everything from uh, golf instruction and tennis instruction through um, business funding, satellite TV, um, beekeeping, um, cheating spouse markets, uh, how to pick up women market, weight loss supplements, um, joint pain. Um, so the list goes on, really everything in between. And the common denominator between all of those is that there's a good marketing funnel which helps to convert. Yeah, I mean, any business, no matter what business you're in, you need to have a marketing funnel. Would it make sense to define what that is? I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering if people might be wondering, well, marketing funnel, what does that mean? Yeah, please. Um, so if you go to Wikipedia or you go to, you know, the Oxford English Dictionary, I don't know what the definition is going to look like for marketing funnel. I'll just give you the definition that I sort of ascribe to it. It's a marketing funnel in my mind is this. A marketing funnel is a predetermined number or set of steps that you want your prospect to take to take them from the point where they have no idea who you are and they've never heard of you before all the way through becoming a customer. And in most cases, for most businesses, that doesn't happen in one step. It happens over a series of several steps. Mm -hmm. And a marketing funnel is nothing more than orchestrating that process, manufacturing that process. So people go from step A to step B to step C to step D and however many other steps there may be and doing it in a way that you've designed and you've sort of, you're pulling the strings. Um, in an analogy that I like to talk about a lot of times is thinking about your business or your marketing funnel like a uh, establishing a relationship with someone. And before you can ask someone to marry them, right? Mm -hmm. um, you think about when you propose to your wife, um, for like most people, it probably wasn't, hello, how are you? Will you marry me? <laughs> There's a series of steps that need to take place between that. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what a marketing funnel is, is taking someone from shaking their hand to a marriage proposal and all the steps in between. So what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to their marketing funnels? I know that in the past I've heard you talk about three main mistakes that people uh, that people do. Uh, what are these three biggest mistakes? Sure. Before I mention what the mistakes are, I want to kind of set the stage for something because it's going to uh, tie into um, what these mistakes are. Mm -hmm. So... Now, we talked about marketing funnels sort of in a broad sense and generally what they are. Now, everybody has a slightly different approach to how they build out marketing funnels. 
Now, what I consider to be sort of my quote-unquote unique contribution to the marketing world is something that I call the survey funnel process, the survey funnel formula. Now, survey funnel is essentially a marketing funnel that incorporates a series of surveys along the way and leverages the power of surveys. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means in a moment. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because this one model that I've sort of perfected, or I wouldn't say perfected because it's never perfect, but that I've been fine-tuning over the last, the better part of the last four or five years, is the model that I've used to get into all these markets that I mentioned. And I did a presentation uh, a couple weeks ago, which you know about, um, and I had to figure out, well, what kind of numbers have I done? And just to give a sense of scale for what this formula is doing across those 17 markets, in the last 23 months alone, I've generated over 2.8 million leads, 2.8 million opt-ins, email opt-ins, and over 175,000 different customers in just the last 23 months across those 17 different markets. And wow. one of the reasons why I've been able to do that is it addresses exactly what you brought up. The three biggest mistakes that people typically make with their marketing funnels, which is the reason why the survey funnel formula or process works so well. So the first problem or mistake that I see people make with their marketing funnels is if they want to achieve any sort of scale in their business, if they want to grow their business, the traffic that they're going after is far too broad. And what I mean by that is it's one thing if you're a local plumber and you're in Guild, the city of Guilford in the UK and you're advertising on a keyword Guilford plumber or Guilford plumber to fix toilet, maybe I'm using American English, so maybe this doesn't work. Um, but we'll just we'll just go with it. Yep. Um, Guilford Plumber to 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 fix toilet. Um, it's easy to target that prospective customer, right? Because you can just write an ad that says, "In Guilford, need to have your toilet fixed. We can be there in less than sixty minutes. Here's the number to call." Like that's all your ad needs to say. But what if someone types in a keyword like? Um, uh, water issues, or even more broad, home repair. Mm -hmm. What does that person really want? Yeah. They could want one of a hundred thousand different things. But when you look at the search volume for a keyword like home repair and you know Guilford uh, plumber to fix toilet, Guilford plumber to fix toilet might have ten searches a month, fifteen searches a month, but home repair maybe has five million searches a month. So that's where the volume is. But the question is, how do you make that type of traffic work? Mm -hmm. I ran into this problem when I was struggling with something in, in the memory business that I mentioned, the memory improvement business. It's a business called Rocket Memory. It's a business that still exists. You go to rocketmemory.com to, to see it if you want to see what this looks like. But basically, I found out that all the volume in that market is around the keywords improve memory, how to improve memory, memory improvement. But when I advertised on those keywords, I couldn't make them work. The economics just wouldn't work. My opt-in rates weren't good enough. My conversion rates, sales conversion rates weren't good enough. And the reason why is because the people behind those searches range from everyone from a 18-year-old kid in college or university all the way through a 65-year-old man who's concerned about mental decline and everything in between. 
and they could all be searching on that same keyword, improve memory, all typing in the same thing into Google. So how do you make a, a, how do you make a sales funnel work if it's a one size fits all sales funnel, irrespective of who the person is behind that search? If you're advertising on the keyword improve memory, I couldn't make it work until I started using something that we're going to be talking about, which incorporates using a survey at the front end of your funnel. So that's the first big mistake. But does that make sense? Is there anything that you think we should expand upon? That absolutely uh, makes perfect sense. You know, they, they could be typing in that search query for any number of reasons. And the different uh, demographic or psychographic reasons behind why they might be typing it in um, can be really a big, broad range there. So I know that we're going to be getting into this soon. We're going to be talking about how a survey would then help us to segment and help us to really refine that process and start to work out exactly who we're marketing to and take people through marketing funnels in a very different way, depending on who they are. So we're going to be talking more about that in, in a moment. So, Ryan, what would be the, the second mistake? Well, the second mistake is interesting. The second mistake that I see, and by the way, these are all mistakes that I run into now when a typically now an eight or nine figure business brings me through the back door to either build a funnel from, for them from scratch or to take their business to the next level or fix one of their existing funnels that isn't working to the level that they want it to work at. Um, People pay me a lot of money to do this. I get paid on a fee plus royalty basis. So people invest a lot of capital to bring me in to figure this out. And typically that might be $50,000 up front just to get me through the door to work on things plus an ongoing royalty of anywhere from five to 10% of all the revenue generated from the funnel that we build. So these are big problems that not just small businesses run into, but big businesses run into as well. And the second big problem is not knowing why their customers didn't buy. So if you've been around online long enough, then you know there are certain benchmarks you want to aim for in terms of your conversion rate, right? Mm -hmm. If you get a hundred visitors to your site, you know, maybe at a minimum, you want to convert at least one of those visitors into a customer, into a sale, a 1% conversion rate. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you're doing really well, you do 2%. Maybe if you're hitting a freaking home run, you're getting a 5% conversion rate. And maybe if you're in a super hyper targeted niche that is extremely narrow in focus, maybe you have a 10% sales mm -hmm. conversion rate. But what that means is, Anywhere from 90% to 99% of the people who visit your website are not buying. And most people just sort of accept that. They say, these are industry norms. I'm doing 2%. That's much better than 1%. It's double. This is fantastic. Well, for me, that's not enough. That's frustrating. And it frustrates me that we sort of, marketers tend to just sort of accept those numbers without doing something about it. Because the real secret of taking your business to the next level is understanding what's going on with that other 90% and converting a portion of that into sales. And the way I do that, once again, is by incorporating surveys, by using, by using surveys. And we'll talk about three very specific types of surveys that people can start using in their business today 
just minutes after this call can go back, run to their computer, and and just start doing doing this stuff. And that's what I want to leave people with: some really quick quick wins, low hanging fruit, um, which is part of a much more in depth overall process that I go through when I'm building out one of these form uh, uh, funnels. But something that people can use. So that's the that's the second thing: is not knowing why their customers don't buy. Mm-hmm. The third thing in this list, the third mistake that people make is not knowing what else they should sell their customers next. So we, if you probably heard the expression, the money's in the back end, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you do any sort of cold traffic advertising online, typically you should be happy if you're breaking even on the front end. You spend $100 in advertising and you make $100 in profit and you've acquired a customer for free. So you haven't really made any profit off that customer, but you've, uh, they, they haven't cost you any money. You, you're not in the red. That's mm-hmm. a, a very desirable position in terms of how competitive it is online. If you're making money on the front end, that's fantastic, but don't expect it to last because what that means is there's a, uh, there's an, basically an arbitrage opportunity that hasn't been taken advantage of and those gaps will be filled. Competition will come in and they'll exploit it to the point that people will basically break even. That's sort of the overall uh, uh, dynamic that goes on. Now, mm-hmm. that being said, when it comes to what to sell your customers next, the businesses that I work with, and these are very sophisticated, high-end, very successful businesses, yet still they make the mistake of not knowing what to sell their customer next. If they've got 10 different products on the shelf, in the pantry, so to speak, they just kind of haphazardly throw them one right after another. And they go, well, this one converts better than this one, so let's just put it there. But there's no strategic thought. There's no strategic sort of why should we sell this one next and how does that lead to the next sale after that. That level of of strategy isn't really uh, well thought out. And again, the solution to this, which we'll get to in a moment, is is to incorporate surveys in a way that almost nobody is doing. So those are kind of the three big mistakes or, or problems that I see, sort of points of opportunity. And it really doesn't matter the size of the business. Small businesses as well as much larger businesses all suffer from these mistakes. So I thought maybe, Joey, it would make sense, unless you have any questions or you want to um, uh, bring anything up, we kind of talk about the the three solutions to each of these problems. Yeah, that would be amazing, Ryan. Um, just just before we go, we go on, um, just as you were talking now, I was trying to think how I would summarize this concept of a survey funnel. Would it be fair to say that you're using you know customization or personalization to just eliminate as much waste as possible? You know, you get basically the maximum amount of of people, you know, of, of traffic. You're getting the ma- maximum amount of prospects to to opt in from from the opt ins that you get. You're getting the maximum amount of customers from this. And, and you're basically just eliminating waste. You know, the traffic that you get, you're making the absolute best of it that you possibly can. Um, when people are not buying for you, you're finding out exactly why. You're finding out what to sell to them next. So that's just what came to my mind. Elimination of waste. Would, would you agree with that in a way? Yeah. So let's talk about that. So I know it's difficult to conceptualize what something looks like in an audio medium. Okay. Mm-hmm. But let me just walk you through what the typical path is for marketing funnel and how a survey funnel path differs from that. And I think that'll kind of address with exactly what you were bringing up. Sure. So typically what happens uh, in a typical sales funnel, you've, we've seen this a million times online. Uh, you click on an ad, you land on a landing page, the landing page says, Hey, my ebook is the best freaking thing since sliced bread. Uh, <laughs> 
get a copy of this now because I'm going to take it down tomorrow. You know, enter your name and email, mm-hmm. uh, with a button, right? You do that and then you get to a page. Hey, that thing's pretty cool, but how would you like to buy my paid product instead? Um, you know, and here's why you should buy it. Bye, 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 bye. That's kind of like a typical, you know, plain vanilla sales funnel, right? Mm-hmm. Squeeze page, opt in to some sort of sales page and that's it. Problem with that is in a marketplace where everybody is on their tippy toes screaming, Hey, look at me. I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm the best. It's difficult to stand out. And to be perfectly honest, when you're again going in that, that scale scenario before, in most cases, you're not the best. You're not the best solution. Mm-hmm. The survey funnel process, the way that that differs is as follows. So instead of saying, Hey, sign up for my thing. It's the best thing out there. You basically take an approach that kind of goes like this. Go to a landing page. The landing page has a video on it. The video basically says, and this varies from market to market, and the copy is very important, but I'm just going to kind of give you in a nutshell the gist of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, in XYZ market, everybody is different. There's no one-size-fits-all answer. But if you just take 30 seconds now to tell me a little bit about your situation, I'll put you in touch with what I think is the best match solution for what you're struggling with right now. That's essentially what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So instead of that memory example saying, hey, check out our memory course. It's the best freaking memory course out there. You're saying, hey, listen, people who are struggling to improve their memory range from what I just said, college students to seniors who are concerned about mental decline and parents who are going back to school, parents concerned about their children and a whole host of other different situations. If you just take a moment to tell me which of the following best describes you, I'll, pu- I'll put you in touch with the best math, re- best math research resource for you. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, instead of just doing that one size fits all thing and only capturing, maybe uh, appealing to on the front end, maybe 10, 20% of the traffic, all of a sudden you can appeal to more like 40, 50, 60, 70% of the traffic because you haven't called out right away and said, this is what I am. You said, tell me a little bit more about yourself and I'll put you in the best match research resource. So you do that. And then after they, uh, watch that video, you, motivate them to click on a button which pops up a survey. Now, the survey isn't positioned as a survey, but that's essentially what it is. Mm -hmm. And the survey is broken down into steps. So instead of doing this big, long survey that has 20 questions, man or you a woman, the reason why I ask is because men and women tend to suffer from different memory challenges. I'm a man. Next question. Which of the following best describes your age? Are you in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, or older? The reason why I ask this question is because people of different ages tend to struggle with different memory challenges. Okay. And you take them down this path, and all of a sudden they say, this is different. And it's akin to going to a store, and I I don't know if you have Best Buy in uh, in the UK, but Mm -hmm. Best Buy is like an electronics store. So you go to Best Buy, and it's akin to you know walking into the TV section and saying, hey, I'm interested in looking at TVs. And then one salesman saying, you know what? I've got the perfect TV for you. It's this one right here. It's this, it's the Sony 50, you know, 50 inch. It's a, a LCD. It's fucking fantastic. You're going to love it. Blah, 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 blah. Here it is. And you're like, um, I want to keep looking mm-hmm. versus another salesperson who says, awesome. That's fantastic. Let's take a moment. If you don't mind, if you could just tell me a little bit more about what you're looking for in a TV, what's important to you, how you're planning on using it, what room for the of the house this is in, if you watch movies, if you watch sports, what other electronics that you use. If you just tell me a little bit more about your situation. I can help point you into a few different options that I think might be good for you. You're basically replicating that experience that people have offline, in person, 
You're doing it online. That's what the survey funnel formula is in a nutshell. Now, going back to our three big mistakes that people run into, the first mistake of uh, traffic being too broad, what I just described to you right there, that step-by-step-by-step survey, is something I call the micro-commitment bucket survey. And what that's designed to do is two things. One, it's designed to put people into different buckets so you can customize the market marketing according to each of those different buckets. So you might have one sales letter or one opening to a sales letter for the 65-year-old man who's in mental decline and a different sales letter or at least a different opening for the college student who wants memorization techniques. Maybe you're selling the same product to both of those people, but you're positioning it differently. And then the same thing with the autoresponders as well. You're sending different autoresponders to each of those two different groups. The micro-commitment part, in case you're wondering what that is, Mm -hmm. is the idea of instead of asking people to make a big commitment up front, so going back to that relationship example, instead of asking someone to propose, you know, asking for someone's hand in marriage the, the, the day you've met them, which would be a big step, um, instead you're asking for baby steps. So in relationship terms, going straight for an opt-in, name and email, is kind of like going straight in for a hug. <laughs> there are some people that are going to be kind of cool with it. Like you met someone for the first time, hey, Joey, give me a hug, man. <laughs> Some people might be cool with it, which is why you get some email opt-ins, but some people are like, hey, time out, man. Like, I barely know you. Let me put some Purell on my hands and step back a little bit. Um, most people are going to feel that way. Mm-hmm. But when you drive, walk them through this micro-commitment thing and you ask them to answer a very non-threatening question, before we get started, Joey, can you tell me, are you – and I would pick a very non-threatening – if I didn't know who you – I know obviously the answer to this question, but if I didn't, I, you know, I might say um, – are you a man or are you a woman? The reason why I ask is because of X, Y, Z. And a question like that is easy to answer. It's literally impossible to get wrong unless you are being a smart ass about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what it does is it kind of sets off this action-taking momentum. People start by doing that one tiny little step, and it sets you up to ask another question and then another question. And then at the end, you culminate in the highest threshold piece of information you're asking for, which is their name and email. So it can result, not always, but in many cases, in an actual higher opt-in rate than you would get if you just go straight for the name email squeeze. So that's the first survey, the micro-commitment bucket survey designed to kind of address that first concern, uh, going after broad traffic. The reason why, again, that it works so well is instead of trying to be all you know have a one size all fits up, one size fits all solution, you can all of a sudden say uh, we appeal to everybody. We have different solutions out there. Tell me a little bit about yourself, and we'll we'll make it work. That's the first mm-hmm. one. Okay. The second one is related to that uh, second mistake that we talked about, which is not knowing my prospects didn't buy. And for that one, I use a different kind of survey. I call it my do you hate me survey. Now, um, I don't, we don't have the benefit of walking through some slides where I can show you some statistics on this, um, on a recent campaign, but it's something that I do almost all the time. And basically the do you hate me survey is, is like this. After you run a sale or promotion for something, typically through email and you've you know, the, 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 the deal is done. It's, uh, you know, you close cart. It's past the expiration date. I like to ask this email, which I like to send this email, which is sort of like, um, I call it the, do you hate me email? And I, I'll even use that as the subject line. Do you hate me? Mm-hmm. And it basically goes like this. It says, Hey, you know, I gave you an opportunity. And typically what I'll do is I'll give the end of a promotion. I'll, I'll do like a $1 trial or a free trial. 
um, where people can, you know, get the thing that I was selling for 40 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever, uh, pay a dollar now, try it for 14 days and then pay the balance after you've decided you like it type thing. Um, I'll do that and I'll say, Hey, listen, um, a couple days ago, I gave you an opportunity to try XYZ product for free. And for some reason, you decided not to take advantage of the offer. And that's perfectly fine, but I'm curious. Is it because of something I said? Was it something I didn't say? Or do you just hate me? And I'll usually put a little smiley face at the back of that to kind of soften it, sort of it's tongue in cheek. Yeah. Um, you know, if you could do me a favor and just click on the link below and tell me what was the reason why you decided not to invest in the XYZ product, it would mean the absolute world to me. Now, when you do this, if you've never done this before, you will inevitably gain insights into your market that you have never had before. So we did this, I did this recently, not so recently now, but um, uh, a couple months ago, we did this for a campaign that took place over Easter weekend. And uh, we got an overwhelming number of people who wrote in saying, oh, I'm so sorry, uh, we, I was unplugged over Easter weekend, I was traveling, I was visiting family, uh, I'm just getting back to emails now, is there any way that you can make this offer available again? And we totally, uh, my, my partner client in this market isn't terribly religious and doesn't really celebrate Easter, so it never really crossed our minds that it would be that big of a, of a, of a deal and that mm-hmm. many people would be affected. So that was the first thing. And then there are half a dozen other things of points of confusion where I wasn't sure what I was getting with this and what's the difference between this product and this other product that you sell that sounds sort of similar. So what we did is we, when we, when we, when that happens is we do basically a webinar that answers all those questions and addresses the things. And we send a, an email series that addresses all those issues that people have brought up. We reopen cart. And when we do that, uh, in this particular case, the original promotion did uh, about $50,000, $52,000, I think, was uh, the internal promotion. Mm-hmm. And when we added that one piece, when we added this, just this one piece to the campaign where we kind of opened things up to people who didn't buy, did do you hate me thing, mm-hmm. we picked up an additional $19,000 in revenue, which I'm not doing the math, but that's like a 40% increase in, uh, in sales. I mean, imagine being able to grow your business by 40% just by sending out a stupid email like that every time you run a promotion. Uh, it's simple stuff. Yeah. So, uh, that's the, that's the, and without seeing it, I know it's a little bit challenging, but that's the second thing. The third problem that we talked about, which is, um, uh, knowing what else to sell your customers. So, in that same campaign, actually, I like to run something that I call the pivot survey, which is the third survey in the, in the surveys that we're talking about today. Um, the pivot survey is basically, I don't know if you have these in the UK, but have you read those choose your own adventure books? Are you familiar with what those are? Yeah, I had a couple of those when I was younger. You, you pick your own ending. It tells you which page to turn to, and then you go to that page, and then you carry on the story from there. Is that what you mean? Exactly. And yeah. as a quick aside, I remember being a kid, like having to do like book reports and read a certain number of books. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm like one of these people who like figures out what the rules are and figures out a way how to get around the rules. <laughs> and I remember one year, like this is terrible. <laughs> I remember one year, probably I was 10, 11 years old, whatever. There was a whole section of these choose your own adventure books. And we had to do like 10 or 15 book reports over the course of a semester or a year for this, uh, for class that year. And I remember like, I was like, I've got it. This is freaking brilliant. I checked out all the choose your own adventure books. I took them home and I literally figured out how to finish the book in like three pages. Cause it was always <laughs> like, 
read page, you know, page three, skip to 52, skip to three, skip to 75, and then you're done. And it's like, and then, and then the guy died. So it was like a five page book. I figured out how to do that on all of them. <laughs> and I got all the book reports done like in a week and I just handed them all in. I'm like, I'm done for the year. <laughs> Brilliant. So a uh, little bit of a side, uh, a side note. But anyways, as it relates to your marketing is like this. So after you sell something, uh, someone something, and a good proportion of those people are not going to buy, right? They are not going to buy. But instead of giving up or instead of just putting them in front of whatever you want to sell next, you say, hey, listen, I get that XYZ product wasn't for you. That's totally cool. You know, and I know it's not for everybody. But do me a favor. What I want to do is make the information you get from me next to be as relevant and useful to you as possible. Would you tell me, what would, which of the following would you like for us to cover next? Topic A, topic B, topic C. And you send this in an email, and the links, you can do this a number of different ways from a technical standpoint, but essentially sign people up to one of three new paths. And you can set things up that there's a default path, so if someone clicks on none of the links, they're automatically rerouted to the what would be the biggest pivot bucket. Um, but you let people choose. You let them choose their own adventure. And this is an amazingly effective strategy. It's simple. But when you use the pivot survey, as I describe it like this, what happens is people respect you because they say, oh, you're not trying to just jam the next thing down my throat. You actually care about me and what I want to focus on. And when people do that, they typically buy in significantly high numbers. So in this most recent example, just to give some real numbers to this, to dimensionalize it, again, we did $50,000 on an initial promotion. We did another 19 on the do you hate me thing. And then we put a pivot survey on the tail end of it and said, hey, I know you're not interested in this to the people who didn't buy. And we said, what would you like to learn about next, A, B, or C? Well, when we did that, we picked up an additional, I think, eight to $9,000 in revenue just by saying, what product do you want me to sell you next? So we did the pivot, and then we sent them to one of three basically sales sequences, um, and we let people choose that. So you know, again, that that net effect was an additional, in that case, twenty percent bump in revenue in that particular promotion just by sending another freaking email. Um, you know, I think we overall grew the size of this promotion by uh, oh, between fifty and sixty percent. So, and, th- and that, those numbers are typical. That's just one that comes to mind because it's it's recent, and I have the numbers down. Um, but I do this, you know, all day, every day, and it's easy stuff to do. You know, uh, funnel people through a bucket survey on the front end. Do the do you hate me email every time that you run a promotion, and then the pivot um, the pivot survey on the back end. Just those three surveys alone, when you incorporate them into your business. Can increase your business by as much as in my, in, you know, and in, in I can't say what it'll do for someone else, but for me, it increases what I do by, by 50%. So if you're making $100,000 this year, it's like making 150000 If you're making 200000 it's like making 300000 So, I mean, how would you like to add an extra $100,000 to your, you know, to your, um, your income just by basically doing three very simple things? So that's kind of the, what I do in a nutshell. Those three pieces, are part of a much more complete funnel system that takes people from going from cold traffic to 
you know, a landing page, a landing page to a survey, a survey to a, a, what I call a same visit sales sales letter, a one-click upsell gauntlet, which I call the profit maximi- maximization sequence, a buyer sequence of, of emails that I run through to sell people more stuff in a very strategic way, a non-buyer email sequence, and basically it's it's all kind of summarized in a, a nice little flow chart that I that I use when I'm doing one of these implementations for, for one of my high-level clients. Um, but just these three pieces alone, which are just kind of three little specs on that flowchart, are easy things that anybody can do and can just literally hop off the call and, and do it now. Brilliant. I'm, I'm just absolutely fascinated listening to this, Ryan. Like, like you said, it's, it's easy to do, but it is advanced at the same time. And we're going to be getting more bang for our buck each and every time we drive a visitor to our website. You're basically, you know, pretty much guaranteed to make more money from it than you are doing right now just by adding these three simple things. And that's not even all of it. There is more to your survey funnel formula, but even just uh, applying the three things that we've spoken about today, you're going to make a heck of a lot more money. And I'm just amazed by this stuff. It's, it's fantastic. So um, just to backpedal on something that you mentioned earlier, you said about um, the product at the end. When you're doing this, are you just doing different marketing for different people and then presenting them with the same product at the end? Or are you perhaps even taking this to the next level where you're, you're giving them different products based on who they are? It's a great question. It's basically two variations on the same theme. Mm-hmm. So variation one is you've got one product and you reposition that product. Let's say you have three buckets in your market. Um, you'd reposition that product three different ways. So let's say you were selling some sort of supplement. Maybe you would position it to one segment of your market as a weight loss solution, mm-hmm. another segment as a um, muscle building solution, if it has that um, that element as well. And then as a third bucket, maybe it's a wellness solution to seniors, like a kind of a, a, a daily vitamin to take to, you know, for health and wellness. Maybe the active ingredients in your product can serve each of those three segments. It can be one product, just reposition different ways. The example I always give people is... Um, so I was, uh, and you'll, you'll appreciate this because you have young kids. Um, we, we did a beach trip, uh, a while back and I was in the, the sunscreen aisle. I don't know if you call it sunscreen in the UK. Yep. Sun, yeah, sunscreen, uh, sunscreen aisle at the, uh, at the far, at the local pharmacy. And I was trying, I was bracking my brain over trying to decide what type of sunscreen to buy my son. Cause there was baby sunscreen when he was this, when he was an infant. There was baby sunscreen. There is, uh, sensitive skin sunscreen. There was all natural sunscreen. And I mean, all of them sounded like, you know, this, this could do the trick. Mm-hmm. But when I turned the bottles all around and I looked at the active ingredients, they were all identical. <laughs> it was literally the same goop in the bottle mm-hmm. with, you know, a different dressing on the outside. Yeah. So that's the first variation. The second variation is the situation when you've got 20 different products on the shelf and you know, this is the Best Buy one we talked about. I've got 20 TVs in my store, and the 20 TVs could be anything. They could be uh, service offerings if you're a consultant. They could be information products if you sell eBooks or info products. And with this model, it's let me put you in touch with the best product that I sell in my store. The third variation on this, which is kind of a, a I call it type B on this on the second one. So that was you know type A, type B, is you do this as an affiliate marketer. Mm-hmm. So you don't even need to have products on your own shelf. 
you're just going out into the universe, to the world of products out there in your market, and you're just saying, well, I know there are different segments out there. And think about it in fitness. There are a million fitness products out there, right? But if you found out about someone, you might say, oh, this one, uh, fat-burning furnace or whatever is right for you, or seven-day abs is better for you, or truth about abs is better for you. You know, like whatever the, uh, you know, the, the product is out there, you could probably do this uh, no matter what the, what market you're in, um, is just find affiliate products to put people in touch with. So there are a number of different ways that you can apply it. Those are probably the two broad ways, one product, different marketing angles, and then multiple products, um, and multiple marketing angles. Incredible stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm sure everyone listening to this is just, you know, having a penny drop moment, you know, aha, this is, you know, this is what's going to be the, the big difference maker to my online business. So thank you for, for all this so far, Ryan. Okay. So just to clarify a little bit further, Ryan, and, and I'm, and I'm sorry to compare you. I, I don't like to compare your stuff to anyone else's because you are very different. But if you, if you would allow me to kind of compare you to some other funnel guys, just for, for a second, you've got, uh, for example, Ryan Dice and Frank Kern, and they teach a five step funnel sequence where the funnel happens all together at the same time from opt in to the sale and, and the upsell. That all happens in one go in the same process. But if you think of someone like uh, Todd Brown, he teaches a more spread out funnel process where, you know, you opt in and then you get a sequences of emails and you're nurtured sometime before you then sort of, you know, see the main offer. And it's spread out over a period of time rather than being all at once. Where do you fit into this? Where does survey funnels uh, fit into to this? Um, is the survey funnel happening all at once or is it spread out over a period of time? That's a great question. So... I'm trying to sell people as much as possible in what I call a same visit sale. Mm -hmm. So that's land on the landing page, fill out the survey, see typically a video sales letter that's customized based on their survey responses, and I try to sell them right then and there. Sure. If they do buy, they're sent through a one-click upsell gauntlet where they have you know additional uh, you know additional offers put in front of them, and it's done in a very strategic way. If they don't buy there, what happens next? Well, as part of the survey funnel formula, typically at the end of the survey, the micro-commitment bucket survey, the very last step before they see the sales letter or sales message is to opt-in. And mm -hmm. it, there's always a compelling reason why. It's never just an opt-in. It's a it's people want to get things. So it might be get your customized uh, report on XYZ based on your survey responses. Well, they want that customized report, so they'll opt in. So they opt in, and that gives us the opportunity to sell over time. So if they don't buy right away, mm -hmm. I am running them through a non-buyer email sequence. And the way that that typically works, just from a without getting into the very specifics of email one, I do this, email two, I do this, which is sort of beyond what we have time to cover mm -hmm. here today. But thematically, what I'm what I'm doing is, if someone's not ready to buy right away, I just take a step back, and I basically the analogy I like to use is it's very much a slow boil. So I might turn the stove, the stovetop, the cooktop, onto you know heat of low. So not a lot of selling, a lot of nurture, but I'm teasing the selling. So I'm putting stuff in PSs. Oh, by the way, you might want to check out this, but it's not a hard sell. Mm -hmm. That happens over the first part of the sequence. Then I reach a point where I start to turn up the temperature, and I gradually increase things, increase things, increase things until we reach a boiling point where I'm really hitting them hard with offers, and then I'm doing all sorts of things to, you know, free trials, $1 trials, just pay shipping, whole bunch of things like that to get them to buy any way that I can. 
And then if they still don't buy after I put my best foot forward, then it's, do you hate me? And pivot survey. (laughs) So why didn't you buy? And what about this instead? And it's basically that all day, every day. And it just lather, rinse, repeat. You run people through that first pivot survey. They still don't buy. Then it's like, hey, what do you want to talk about next? And that could go on infinitely. Mm-hmm. So that is the the quick and dirty. Um, it's a combination. Same visit yep. sale. Yes, it's my first choice. But if they don't buy, the way Dice's model works with his just pay shipping stuff, mm-hmm. people don't buy right then and there. There's no email capture typically. It's just try to get them to buy through a tripwire offer and then upsell them into something else. If they don't buy the tripwire, then they're not a buyer. And I don't subscribe to that belief system because um, I find people that need to be nurtured over time, at least in the markets that I'm in, at least the way that I market, people need to be nurtured over time. So yes, some people are ready to buy on day zero, but then there are other people that are ready to buy on day 10. Some people are only ready to buy on day 60. It really just depends. And that'll range, you know, there's some markets where, you know, Wart removal or corn, you know, maybe wart removal is a good one. Uh, people are going to buy it right away. You don't need to nurture someone for six months over an, a wart removal solution unless it's a recurring problem. Mm-hmm. But then there are other issues like weight loss where people do need to be nurtured because it's an ongoing problem and it's sometimes it's just you need that perfect cocktail of, you know, neurotransmitter chemicals going on in their brain where they say, you know what? Today's the freaking day that I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. And your email comes in right at that moment and they say, you know what? I've been getting emails from this guy. Let's do this. Let's give this thing a shot. So that's my belief system. I've got, you know, there's no wrong way. There's no right way to build funnels. I say the right way is the way that works. And what works for me, and I've got, you know, the basically now 19 different markets that I use this model in and almost 3 million opt-ins and almost 200,000 customers. Uh, this works for me. So this is what I do. I love that because the same visit sale gets people who are ready right there and then. And that's obviously what we, you know, as business owners want. We want people to, to purchase ASAP, ideally. And uh, on, on the other side, the marketing that you do over a longer period of time will then get the people who will you know be ready at a later date and maybe do need a bit more nurturing first before they, they make a buying decision. So you cover both areas. And again, the theme today has all been about the prospect. You know, they get to choose, they get to decide. And by doing it in that way, you cater to everyone, which is really great because sometimes in marketing, we're just trying to fit square pegs into round holes and you can't cater to everyone in that way. But the survey funnel really opens that possibility up. My next question, Ryan, is people might be thinking that this um, sounds like a you know technical nightmare to set up. You know, how do you set up all these surveys and, and all these funnels, and, and how does it all fit together? And you know, how do I do the survey and then collect the results and then put people onto different autoresponders on you know Infusionsoft or Entreport or whatever they're using? Is this going to take you know some doing to get set up, or is there an easy way to do it? I have a, well, I'll take a step back. I had done this myself for a very long time. And uh, earlier this year, I dramatically expanded my team. And I was forced to teach them my process. And so what I did is I created a, I basically took a funnel that I needed to build. 
and went through my six-week process, invited my internal team to go through that experience of building the funnel with me, and I walked them through and answered some of the questions that you're talking about. Well, what do you do if you want to just get this up and running and you don't want to do this and make it technically heavy? So there are ways to do it with free tools out there, like Google Survey. Um, there are ways to do it with paid tools. I have a proprietary software product that we developed, my partner and I, uh, because there's nothing on the market that did exactly this. And so um, we've, we now make that product available to people. Um, but more importantly, as far as how to do it, I when I walked my team through that whole process, I recorded the whole thing and put it in our internal uh, training portal. And when I mentioned that to someone at a mastermind, um, a private high-level mastermind that I'm in, uh, one of the guys said, um, I'd, I'd like to see that portal. I mean, I'd like to see you go through your six-week process where you build one of these funnels out from beginning to end. Is that something that you know, you, you, you know, let me see. And, uh, you know, Ryan, I think there are other people out there that would be interested in seeing that process as well. And so the reason why I bring that up is from time to time, uh, I will pre- periodically let people in to, uh, to see that portal at a, at a price that I think is, uh, extremely fair given how much clients pay. And again, it's in the fit 40 to $50,000 range, uh, plus ongoing royalties for me to build this. Um, and the reason why I've decided to let people in and see this is because I know there's some people out there that are going to, that, that see the process. They watch me go through and they say, this is awesome. I'm going to run with it. And I answer all those nitty gritty questions that you're asking about, like how to set this up. And by the way, yes, you can set this up with virtually any autoresponder. Uh, and I explain and teach how to do that because my clients, I've got clients who use Aweber. I've got clients who use Infusionsoft. I've got clients who use Exact Target. Every shopping cart under the sun. Uh, the software that we use that connects all the pieces is platform agnostic, meaning it works with any type of, uh, autoresponder system out there. And, and the methodology works with, which is more important than the technology works with any, uh, virtually any autoresponder system out there. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, the reason why I bring that up is Joey, I don't know if it makes sense, but if, if folks would like to be notified the next time that that training is made available, I can, I'd be happy to kind of tell them where to go, where they can, where they can learn more. Please do. So if folks are interested, just go to surveyfunnelformula.com, surveyfunnelformula.com. It's not a big fancy site. I'm not a, as Joey knows, I'm not a big guru. I don't do a lot of teaching. I don't do a lot of speaking like this. I'm a guy that goes sort of in the back door, builds these things out for clients. But there you'll get to a page. That page has a form on it. You'll be able to enter your name and email to be notified the next time that this training is made available. And then you'll also have an opportunity to get access. I do a to keep my copywriting sharp, sharp, I do a, a free daily marketing tip, which kind of talks about some of the tests that I'm running in my markets and the, the different things that I'm running for clients. You can kind of um, get a sneak peek at uh, some of the things that we're doing. So if folks are interested in kind of learning more about this process, learning more about how they can start t- leveraging more bits and pieces of it in their business, the best place to go would be surveyfunnelformula.com. Add their name to that list and uh, go from there. Your own personal software that you have for this, Ryan, is that on the market right now? Is that something that people can buy or not? It's something that people can buy. What I recommend is that people go through the training course first so they understand how to apply it. And then once they've gone through the training course, um, there's a way for them to get ac- actually to get access to the software for free. Um, if they want to just buy the software, then um, uh, we'd have to talk about that separately. I haven't uh, set that up yet.
Excellent. Well, keep an eye out for that, folks. And with that, we'll wrap this up. Thanks to everyone who came on the call today. And um, if you enjoyed the show, please help support the show by leaving a review on iTunes or on Stitcher. Uh, We'll be eternally grateful. And finally, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Take care. The Online Marketing Show with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.